to Morgan hasn't seen. Oh, we did take a little bit of a break, Janine, last week, and people might be thinking, wait a minute, I'm sure there was a Morgan hasn't seen episode last week. There was, but we took a break from evil women, and we were talking about evil men <laughs> last week. Because realistically, that just sat, that just seemed more of a reasonable thing to do anyway. Yes. If you look at, you know, world history and all that business, um, <laughs> evil men pretty pretty on top. In evil the, white men at that. Evil white men at that, yes, pretty on top in the evil people competition. Yes. I would say. However, we are continuing today to talk about evil women because Janine chose these movies, so it's not my fault. <laughs> Blame Janine for I can't all help these it. evil, if, violent, horrible women. If the majority of dark teen comedies revolve around just catty women. They do, they do. As does this one we are talking about today, Janine. Yes. And I said last week that Dead Man on Campus was a terribly chaotic movie. However, I hadn't watched Drop Dead Gorgeous yet, <laughs> which is what we're talking about this week, which is about ten times more chaotic than Dead Man on Campus. For all the right reasons, I would say. Do, do, would you agree with me on, on that front to start off? I would agree. The, the chaos front. The just carnage. I had no idea it was this sort of... Uh, documentary format. Yeah, either, I think it was definitely was cool. a fun uh, way of telling the story and um, uh, looking into these characters and kind of getting this behind the scenes look and even kind of interacting a little bit with um, the people in the story. So, yeah. yeah. Is, it, is it one that's always been nice and high up on your favoured list from your favoured era of teen movies then? Because obviously the late 90s boom of teen movies is, <laughs> is what we've mostly been focused on. Yeah, and whenever I think we do talk to movies of this genre, like teen movies, it's always of this era. Because yes, that is definitely the era that I was a teenager um, and was really watching these movies. And yeah, it's definitely up there for me. Um, always had a lot of fun with this one it was kind of a nice surprise to you know other you know she's all that level kinds of movies just the oh yeah the the satire of it and um the comedy of it and the dark humor uh definitely always had a lot of fun with that so yeah i was excited to to get your thoughts on it i'm thinking I'm thinking back, um, for some reason I've completely blanked on the second movie we covered during this series now, because I remember doing Heathers and I remember doing mm. Dead Man on Campus. What else Jawbreaker. 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 Yes. Yeah, so, okay, Drop Dead Gorgeous is definitely the funniest movie out of all these dark teen comedies. I would also weirdly say it's the least dark as well. It's the <laughs> yeah. most light-hearted, and definitely for me, the funniest. I think simply because its format plays into the, the comedy of it so well, whereas it's able to give so many quick visual gags 
and that sort yeah. of stuff. Just and like the little kind of cutaways. In the documentary. Yeah. Yeah. The, the timings of cutaways or the timings of, you know, cutting away onto something else. So it kind of, it's almost like a start away. I don't even know what you would call that kind of format of joke. But you know what I mean? It's not like a cutaway where it cuts off timed well and what's come before is funny. It's where it cuts off and goes on to something that because it's in that particular instance at that particular time, it's funny. Yeah. Um, there's so much of that. In terms of like, uh, in terms of dialogue and word comedy, let's call it, I don't necessarily, while I think it's still a clever movie um, and an intelligent movie in the satirical sense, like we've talked about with the other movies as well that we've talked about in the Dark Teen Comedy series, it does have that in it. But the dialogue, I wouldn't say, is necessarily too, you know, whip smart or witty or anything like that. It's still funny. There's plenty of good kind of one-liners. But I really do feel like this movie's comedic uh, goodness, for lack of a better word, that's a terrible word to use. This, this movie's comedic quality is in its visual format. Yeah, and I think yeah. it's it's ridiculousness in kind of pointing out like stereotypes, like Midwest kind Very of. Very much so. <laughs> yes, it definitely um, kind of mocks a couple kinds of stereotypes of certain types of people. Um, but I think it's they fun. small town. Yes, <laughs> they do kind of do it in a in a kind of poking fun, kind of silly way where they um, where I don't think it, it's too offensive or you know because i think today things can easily offend and easily get canceled in that kind of situation so i feel like some of the things this might be a movie that people go back and look on and think oh that's very problematic you know um but i still saw it as just kind of you know this whole movie is a satirical take and kind of really ridiculous so um I don't think anything in here outright offended me because I think it's kind of poking fun at a certain type of person, you know? Yes, absolutely. I mean, sure, we're not from small-town Minnesota, so it may really offend small-town Minnesotans. It may, and it may have then, and it may do... Still now. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm not quite sure on that. I can certainly understand maybe why it would, because it's... It's it's not very nice. No, it's to, not. Uh, to to the people that live in small Midwest towns, shall we say, it is it is very stereotypical. But to to an extent, what teen movie certainly of the late nineties, early two thousands era of teen movies, what teen movie isn't ridiculously stereotypical? Yes, or has kind of like problematic you know yeah kind of things uh, in it that wouldn't really play or work today <laughs> but like if you go back, you know if you go back even further the problematic elements of 80s teen movies is even more yes so uh, i've had a couple people like you know um 
talk to me about studying or like, you know, Schmodown friends kind of talk about studying or going back to like 80s teen movies or John Hughes movies and like, whoa, yeah, they are don't very, realize. they're pretty problematic. Like, you know, you kind of have this nostalgic feeling about 16 Candles and then you watch it now and you're just like, oh, no. Full of it. Oh, no. <laughs> it's full of oh, no moments, 16 Candles. Yeah. So it definitely in, in many different ways. You kind of have to take some of these movies as a time capsule and just kind of take them for what they were and what they were saying at the time. Um so yeah, and Even I think though, I can I think I can do that with this movie where, you know, in looking at it today in an era where, you know, everything's kind of being canceled or, you know, being edited around because things in it would offend people today. I do think you can be, well, you can certainly go too far in that, uh, you know, kind of free. Oh, yeah, definitely. But it still, or it's, it's, it's doesn't make comedy like this less worthwhile. Yeah. It arguably makes it more necessary because it's, it, it's you know, actually funny and it's like you said because it's a satirical movie it's kind of like not supposed to be taken seriously yeah it's like the whole thing is ridiculous so even the tropes and the stereotypes um and things that like maybe people would see as offensive or whatever like you kind of just take the whole movie itself as ridiculous because even the concepts that aren't um inherently kind of stereotypical or you know uh supposed to kind of be offensive are ridiculous. Yeah, so, as long as you're not, as long as you're not. The whole concept of the movie, yeah, is completely ridiculous. So you kind of just look, there are that. some, there are obviously plenty of stuff that we we as a as a people no longer make jokes about or because it's just in poor taste. Yeah, so or I mean, you can fully be aware outright, fully horrendously offensive. Yeah, I think you can be aware of um, things that might be kind of problematic, uh, but also kind of take into account what the movie is generally trying to say or do comedically, uh, and yeah. the time that it came out, and implement those factors into kind of your viewing of it, um, and just be more aware of it, um, kind of yeah. watching it later. So. Yeah, yeah. That, that's always the best way. As long as you are aware of what's going on. It's like watching very, very old movies that we watch every week on the main show. Yes. You know, there are certain elements in some of the movies that we watch that are culturally dated, but we realise they are culturally dated as we are watching a movie from the 40s or whenever. So we understand that. So it isn't like... it. It is a judgment of, ooh, that's culturally dated but let's yeah like when you see it. james bond slapping a bunch of ladies like yeah. okay that was the like, era yeah, that that movie came out like that. <laughs> you know, that, but that was it's, the time. It's questionable then it's questionable then it's certainly questionable now it's still questionable then it doesn't it, it's not like <laughs> i always think this just because something used to be done doesn't mean it was right <laughs> yes. You know, it, it still means it was wrong. It just means it was accepted. Yes. It's not right and wrong. It's accepted and not accepted. And yes. when, you know, now that 
many, many legitimately offensive and problematic things are not accepted. It's a much nicer way of living. Certainly some people can be try and get a bit too extreme about it and try and get rid of probably movies like this or shows like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia or something like that that are incredibly direct and fairly brutal with their comedy. Yeah. But they're not, you know, they're not harming anybody offensively. So I don't know. It's comedy at the end of the day. It's comedy. (laughs) You are supposed to be making a joke and it's not racist, sexist, homophobic, whatever it may be. It's nothing like that. Um, It might be a little bit questioning why small towns are like are the way they are but i think even people who live in small midwestern towns janine i mean i personally haven't been to the midwest but i have witnessed small towns in america for myself and small towns in canada for myself and there are plenty of people who are actually like this yeah i kind of like to nickname this movie walmart people the movie because (laughs) I mean, I feel like there are people in the world uh, or in the country that actually do exist that are completely like this. So um, that was our disclaimer for, uh, you know. (laughs) It's a a worthwhile conversation, though. Yes, because like I said, I think today we're living in an era where, you know, people are going back to old things and cutting out scenes and, um, you know, when they re-put them back on television and... Um, you know, just yeah. trying to cancel things that came out in a time where that's how it was. And, um, you know, people kind of looking at things now from the past with these different, uh, very cautious lenses. So yeah. um, definitely, I think for us, when we go back and watch older movies and things like this, I, I think it's it's good to have that talk about, you know, what those things mean and if we're aware of you know how people would see them today so yeah and look this conversation has come up at the start of an episode about the movie drop dead gorgeous from 1999 (laughs) not about you know gone with the wind or something like that yeah that's a bit a little bit more blatant um with its you know Yeah, and just uh, just, in this movie, we're dealing dealing with a lot. We're dealing with, I think, like Asian stereotypes, and uh, we are a little bit, yes, in this movie, aren't we? Mentally challenged, um, you know, stereotypes, and a lot of classism, yes. And I think even there's a character who is kind of an older character who's kind of predatory to young women (laughs) so you know we are dealing with a couple of things so i felt like we did need to kind of just talk about that we are fully aware of how people might feel about those things today but we are looking at it through the lens of 1999 and when it came out and the general ridiculousness and satirical nature of the movie as a whole so as we (laughs) always do jimmy we we watch the movie for when it was released yes if you if you're not doing that, then you're not watching the movies properly from yesteryear. Yes. So there you go. Anyway, we do have something to do before we get into talking fully about Drop Dead Gorgeous. Although I will preface this, Janine, with my bold statement of the day, 
which probably isn't actually a bold statement because I would imagine most sane people agree with me. I despise beauty pageants. <laughs> I think most people do. I hate them. They are horrible things. So you probably would have been uh, committing murder in, in this pageant just no. to get rid of the pageant itself. But in so many ways, they are awful. Anyway, <laughs> it is, of course, a Patreon shout-out day, <laughs> Janine, where we show a great deal of love to the patrons, the wonderful patrons Yay. of It's a Wonderful Podcast. If you would like to join us on the It's a Wonderful Podcast Patreon, just type that into Patreon. Type It's a Wonderful Podcast. Find the tier that's right for you. Whole bunch of fun stuff that we have going on on Patreon. You'll see it all in the descriptions when you get over there. There you go. All I will say now is, Janine, who are you thanking first? A huge thank you to Maxwell Haddad. Thank you to Amber Coates. Thank you, Abby Friel. Thank you, Faraz Mufana. Thank you, 90s Comics Box, a.k.a. my big brother, Justin. Thank you to Video Drew. Thank you, Adelaide. Thank you, Christina Farrell. Thank you, Heather Sabian. Thank you to Megan McCurley, Dr. Megs. Thank you, Marcus Burton. Thank you to Movie Fanobi Steve. Thank you, Samir Tesfai. Thank you to Patrick Harden. Thank you, Carla Fies. Thank you, Dwayne Burke. Thank you, Adam Collins. Thank you to Delisha Butler. Thank you, GG. Thank you to the great Ken Knapsack. Thank you to our wonderful friends, Tom and Kimber of Odd Shaped Channel. Thank you to Eric Garcia. And thank you to Billy Pollahan. Woohoo, patrons. Yay. We love the patrons. We mm -hmm. love the patrons. Yes, if you are feeling particularly generous, come and join us on the Patreon. It's fun. There's fun things. Support us stupid people <laughs> because you'll enjoy it. Yes, I think you'll think enjoy you it. I'll enjoy it. Janine will enjoy it. Definitely. Fun. It's fun. Drop dead gorgeous Janine. Do yes. you also hate beauty pageants? Um, I mean, kind of, yeah. Like, especially they children are just ones. The most exploitative They're just crazy. nonsense. Yes, I remember watching pageants, um, but just really kind of in awe about how ridiculous they were <laughs> you know Your children's ones are a whole other level this is what we're dealing yeah. with here is you know kind of 18 year olds 17 year olds high school age teenage girls in beauty pageants and the whole premise obviously of drop dead gorgeous is that they're getting picked off one by one because somebody really wants to win yeah murdered Exactly. All the contestants, and it's a documentary, so it's all yeah. it's got all kinds of craziness going on. So it kind of opens, yes, with like a documentary crew talking about how they're going to film this whole um, pageant that's happening, this Mount Rose Teen American Princess pageant, um, and kind of chronicling, interviewing each of the contestants, talking about the pageant itself, and um, like who's running it, and um, yeah, then we kind of notice gradually that people are getting picked off there's a, lots of sabotage happening um a lot of cattiness and drama so um 
that's kind of how we get into the story that we're doing this documentary. And uh, we actually have a fun little opening that's like showing what the pageant is about. And it's obviously like uh, a taped uh, video kind of explaining the Mount Rose Teen American Princess pageant. And we get a little cameo here from Adam West playing himself in the video. <laughs> we do. The, the, there's so many, so many people show up in this movie. It's got a really quite surprisingly large, fairly large name cast. Yeah. Which are quite liked i liked a little cameo from adam west there was a couple of little i don't know if it was commercials or little video tapes in between just kind of amalgamated into this movie that were just nonsense i mean like i said like i said earlier i was constantly laughing throughout this movie and i think the absolutely rapid pace of it helps that significantly in my my yeah. kind of comedic sensibilities it helps me find it yet more hilarious the fact that it's just not kind of non-stop with the gags it's absolutely constant with them whether they are some dialogue gags sure but like I said, mainly kind of visual stuff and yeah, the kind of kind of editing stuff. So yeah, like we're watching this movie, we're hearing about this pageant, um, and so then how they illustrate that to us is yeah. a video about the pageant that they're showing the girls. So I like that you know it's introducing yeah. us to the pageant, but also in story that's how the girls are being introduced to the pageant and we're watching this video and then it kind of cuts away to days of our lives this hilarious kind of gag of um one of the women running the pageant she taped over the <laughs> the official tape with her soap operas yeah um and so then we kind of get introduced to um you can't miss your soap operas, Janine. It's so important. <laughs> I know. Um, we get introduced to Kirstie Adley's character, uh, Gladys Lehman, who is running the pageant. Um, Kirstie Adley was really good in this movie. I know Kirstie Alley these days is questionable. <laughs> yeah, she's a bit problematic. I always but... like, you know, like Cheers, Kirstie Alley, and 90s Kirstie Alley, and, and yeah. earlier <laughs> Kirstie Alley. Like, Star Trek, Kirstie Alley, she was in Wrath of Khan, right? Was it Wrath of Khan? I think, yeah, that's the one she was in. Mm -hmm. So in like that era, Kirstie Alley is kind of, and, and Cheers era, Kirstie Alley, I think he's a very, very attractive person. Yeah. Like, like I super, saw her in Look Who's attractive. Talking. I loved her in those movies. But then you um, hear more about Kirstie Alley as the years <sighs> go on. Yeah. <laughs> and it becomes slightly worse. But she she was really good in this movie. Yes. She was really good in this movie. I really enjoyed her. And very, it's hard for funny. me. It's very hard for me to watch movies with this accent because then I'm running around doing this, you know, Minnesota, Minnesota <laughs> accent all day. Like if I watch something like Fargo and then I'm talking like yeah. from Fargo, Margie and, you know, <laughs> things well, like that's that. Credit to, that's credit to, you know, 99% of the people in this movie as well who, who actually <laughs> yes, did give the accent Yes, 99% is, is a good, accurate uh, number there because guess who, who was not in... who was yeah. not doing the accent the one person who just like decided to not even attempt the accent <laughs> well let's go through let's go throughout the all the other 
fairly reasonable names that we've got in this movie, Janine. We yes. have Alison, Alison Janney yes. in this movie. She's hilarious, fully doing the accent. Kirsten Dunst, fully doing the accent uh, there. You've got Eva, you've got Brittany Murphy. Yes. yes. Okay, all, all good. A really young first movie, Amy Adams. This was like, yeah, I believe this was her first movie. Mm-hmm. Amy Adams is fully doing it. Who who else do we have, Janine? Ellen Barkin. To... Ellen Barkin. Ellen Barkin. Yes, she's doing she's the fully accent. Doing the accent. Yes. Who who else? Um, Kirstie Alley, obviously. Mindy Sterling, the character actress, she's doing it as well. Yeah, like, yes. from like the Austin Powers, she's in that sort of stuff. And then uh, you know the other ones as well that aren't as necessarily huge, but then the the second lead. Janine, the second lead in the yes. movie, we'll call her um, the. I, I would say the, the 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 chosen villain of the movie, but actually, in the end, not because there's a little bit of slight a twisty twist twistiness there. that goes yes. on. Yes, who is it? It's Denise Richards. She Yay. literally is just talking completely normal, does not even attempt any kind of accent. Uh, even though everyone else is doing this Minnesota accent, she is not. <laughs> and everybody's not. accent isn't perfect. Everybody's accents are sometimes a, a bit different spotty. range. Yeah. But well, she's not even you? attempting. She's not even attempting it. So she just. Do you I, not I, like Denise I, Richards? <laughs> I just feel like it's it's a case of. Um, they cast her, assuming they could kind of coach her to do the accent. She couldn't do the accent, but they, she fit what they needed uh, for everything else. So they just left Which her. Because I think she does a fairly good job in this she movie does. playing this like snobby, you know, vindictive kind of bitch character, which it was kind of her, I think, her MO in movies at this time. Um, yeah, the, although the... somehow in a Bond movie she played like a scientist named, I think her name's like Christmas or something. Oh, yeah, Christmas, Christmas Jones, Jones, right? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like a she's like some biochemist or something. <laughs> um, oh, oh, 19, <laughs> all the late 90s. I mean, I can't even remember which Pierce Brosnan Bond that is now, <laughs> I can't honestly remember. But she definitely does play Christmas Jones in in the Piers Brosnan. Yeah, um, as the world movies. is not enough. The world, world is, is not, not enough. enough. Yes. There you go. Um, oh dear. <laughs> yeah, it, she she does do a good job. She she does fit this character very very well. The high class, you know, kind of queen of the town. I rule. Like yeah, whole, and like, I think it's even kind of mentioned. Uh, like the richest family in a small town, so she's yes, the daughter of exactly that. She yeah, she is part of the so richest it's, it's family. It's all about so this legacy and this uh, yeah, you know kind of this backhand dealings going on. There's yes. all kind of manipulation going on. Oh, I wonder who's going to win the beauty pageant. Surely it can't be the daughter of the of the person, person running the pageant running who also happens to be the richest family in the town and what does alice and Janney say if they take a shit it's front page, front page news. news yeah <laughs> it's one of those situations yes but she so. is she's kind of good i just wish she would have tried the accent, the accent. she yes. should have been absolutely perfect at that 
point. So, I mean, when you have that as kind of your jumping off point, then you kind of know that they're just like going for it and it's going to be completely ridiculous. Then you kind of can just drop the, you know, the stigmas you have about anything else in this movie because, you know, it's going to be completely ridiculous when everyone is talking in their Minnesota accent and she's just talking completely normal. Like, okay, I'm just going to go with this. Um, So they're far more interested (laughs) in making everybody laugh. Yes. Making the most perfectly cinematic movie. Yes, um, which they do. Uh, I do. I, like I always got some good laughs in this movie. Um, we're introduced to kind of each of our girls and um, their kind of circumstances. So we meet, you know, Kristen Dunst character. She lives in a trailer. She's a tap dancer. She wants to be uh, so wholesome. Yeah, she wants to be wholesome. Uh, like, Kirsten Dunst, as usual. Yeah, she loves Diane Sawyer. That's like her idol. She wants to be like a newscaster. Um, I just think that's like a really specific, like Diane Sawyer. Like, why not just I want to be a newscaster? Why does it have to be specifically Diane Sawyer? Because it's someone she looks up to, a young teenage know, girl like usually finds somebody to look up to. Well, I don't know. She follows her career. She she, she also competed in pageants, so I think that's a thing too that like drew her oh, to want to do the pageant. Fair, fair enough. Um. So yeah, she's she's probably like the number one choice. You see her to be like a good person. She works at a funeral home. She does the makeup on the dead people. Um. So yeah, we kind of set her up. Bombing. They don't let her do. <laughs> no. So we do meet her. She's very sweet and charming. And so you kind of set her up as like the one you're kind of rooting for. Yeah. Um, you know, not the best circumstances at home. Uh, but you know, she's a good person all around and talented. And so, you know, you you want her to win, but they do kind of set up that uh Becky Lehman uh Denise Richards' character is probably going to win just because of her status, right? It's a popularity charade. <laughs> yeah, there's no authenticity <laughs> in this. There's no legitimacy in this pageant. It's all about weird dealings that that have gone on behind people's backs and manipulation. Yes. And it so... sickens me, Janine. It sickens <laughs> me to the core. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. It's match fixing. It's not even a match, but it's still match fixing. Yes. Get the lawyers involved. (laughs) Get the justice system involved. Although they'd probably be paid off as well because it's all corruption. Exactly. Corruption. (laughs) Well, you sound like you could do a uh, a theatrical monologue like one of the other contestants who. No, uh, oh, no. kind of like this, like dark emo actress who who's going to do a you know a dramatic reading of like Soylent Green. Um, it's a little <laughs> bit too. So yes, we do meet. We have some weird girls. We have some girls who are really trying to take this seriously. And then I like that Brittany Murphy's character is just kind of like really honest about it. Like, uh, you know, if you're a young girl in a small town and you're not a total fry. It's what you do. You do the pageant because that's just that's just how it's always been. Brittany Murphy characters always direct people. Yes. So I love her character. Down to earth people. Yes. To a point. 
So she she definitely was a great character and just makes me miss her because she was just so bubbly and cute and silly. And she really does have a sweet moment where she helps somebody out in the end later in the movie. Yeah. Um, so so really love her character. There's a girl who uh, is a huge deaf advocate and she wants to, you know, bring yes. sign language to the world. So she's going to do a song in sign language. There's another girl who... Um, loves dogs and she's kind of weird and like uh, her dog like bit a piece of her side and they had to replace her stomach with some of her butt and like she's just very awkward. But she doesn't and... mind. She doesn't, no, mind. Like, she doesn't mind. That old dog went to live on a nice farm. Yeah. Uh, and it was old dogs who go, go away to the farm. Go yeah. to the farm. Um, yeah. But she doesn't mind. She just loves dogs so much that apparently she'll just let the dog nearly kill her. Yes. Which I think um, is a bit too much, to be honest. So she's she's a little obsessed with dogs. Like, her room is covered in posters, um, you know, and all of that kind of thing. So she's, she's a little weird one, but... Um... Of course, my favourite, Janine, is the, the girl who won the pageant last year. <laughs> who... Oh dear! Oh yes, we forgot about this. This was this one as well. This uh, yeah, yeah. So the girl who won the pageant last year, she is in the uh, eating disorder unit at the hospital because she is suffering from anorexia. It's It's not like mild. This is bad. This girl is ill. Yes. Um, there's a whole scene where um, Kristen Dunn's character goes to visit her because she visits her every week and um she's brushing her hair and like a whole big chunk of her hair comes out and she just like doesn't know what to do and so she just kind of like tries to put it back see stuff like that it's a little it's a little moment that you might not even catch you might not even catch is very funny it's the stuff that really shouldn't be funny (laughs) That is kind of funny. It's really funny. So then Becky comes in because obviously she knows that there's a a filming crew there and she wants to like look like she's this good Samaritan. So she goes in as well while Amber camera at all times. While Amber, Kristen Stewart, is visiting this girl. And she comes in and she acts like she visits her every week. And the girl's like, who are you? And she's like, oh, that's just a little game we play. You know, I come in and she's like, who are you? Who are you? With that same dippy little look on her face. <laughs> I'm Becky. Don't you remember? And I brought your favorites. And she's anorexic. And she brought her like a whole box of chocolates. It's horrible. It and Amber really is horrible. like, what are you doing? She's anorexic. <laughs> Becky covers her ears and she's like. She's skinny, Amber, not deaf. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, yes. Uh, is she's, she seems like such a sweet girl. Yes. She's just been... She's just got, got this fairly bad eating disorder that's yeah. clearly come from... From the pageant. The horrible pageant imagery in... of being horrible. Yeah, and we do kind of get these flashes of other people's pageant experiences um, uh, with uh, uh, Kirstie Alley. There's a flashback of her. The old librarian. (laughs) Yes, the librarian. I was Miss Mount Rose in 1945. (laughs) Couldn't even keep my damn crown. I took it for scrap metal. (laughs) 
like they needed her crown scrap metal for the war. <laughs> so she gave up her crown and they show this old timey picture of her giving up her crown and looking all sad. And the army guys just like thumbs up being like <laughs> <laughs> There's also a great cut from her as well. Like um Beck uh not Becky, uh, Amber Kirsten uh, uh, Kirsten Dunst's character. She works in the cafeteria, like she washes the dishes and stuff. And she works uh, at a lot of places. Yes. And um Becky like throws her tray and like food splashes in her face and the cute guy that she likes tells her she has lutefisk in her hair. And so like, obviously most people are not going to know what lutefisk is. So they, then they do this cut to the librarian explaining what lutefisk is. <laughs> I love the librarian. She's yeah, so she's old great. and crotchety. Yeah. She's like lutefisk is a fish that's been soaked in lye for a week or so. It's good with lots of butter. <laughs> And then, like, you just, and then you just get back into the story. <laughs> so I like that, you know, Perfect they cut away because they know that, like, none of us are going to know what Ludafisk is. So I like that they take a little moment to explain that to us before getting back into the story. So, like, really, moments like that are really, I think, really clever and cute and funny. They are. They are. As for the uh, picking each girl off one by one element of this movie. I think we have one girl that's really into kind of athletics and and she's super sporty. She's on all the sports teams. And obviously because it's small town Minnesota, she's president of the ladies gun club or something. Like the Lutheran Lutheran girls gun club. Um, She explodes on a tractor. Yeah, so we when we in, get introduced to her, we see all the things she's into, and like she's probably Becky's biggest competition. Um, yeah, and then we kind of see her go off on her tractor, and we hear this voiceover of her talking about how she just wins and she's so great, and then her tractor explodes, Boom. and that's the first death we get. Horrible death. <laughs> Uh, we also get another attempted boom, don't we, slightly later on in the movie, which is actually a fairly big plot point. Um, and, and shows, I suppose, is one of the more legitimately... It's not just a silly movie. It's got intelligence to it as well. It actually says quite a good amount about classism and that sort of stuff. There's There's plenty of commentary on it in this movie, I think, which is always... Nice to bring up in in a comedy because, like I've said throughout this series, sometimes tough subjects, when they are presented to us in a more accessible, light-hearted, supposed light-hearted comedy movie, they can promote or provoke more discussion because more people kind of subconsciously then thinking about it or aware of it rather than you know outright going to go and watch a movie where you know exactly what difficult subjects it may be tackling yeah definitely so i think it's good it's kind of good at doing that because there's a lot of kind of trailer trash talk uh and all that kind of looking down on Kirsten Dunst because she's poor and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of that from Denise Richards, from Kirstie Alley. And obviously when her trailer gets 
exploded, exploded, boom, boom. <laughs> yes. Uh, and we still don't know who's doing it at this point. No, but there is an, but, an attempted, yeah, explosion of Amber's trailer. It do, although Amber's not there at the time, but Amber's mother is there at the time, who is Ellen Barkin. Yes. I think she was quite good. She was great. Well. Yeah, and she, you know, blows up funny. with a can of beer in her hand and the can of beer gets fused to her hand. So for a good chunk of the movie, she's just there with a beer can just fused to yeah. her hand until they can remove her arm um, in surgery. They, then they just remove her arm and she's fitted with a... I'm not sure what it is. It's not really a hook. It's like a... <laughs> It's like a pinch claw kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's like a pinchy hook. And like she's it like trying like to open a beer rubber. and she can't get it open. So then she just stabs the beer with the hook. And she's like, I did it. She's so happy. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, there's there's a tough subject matter, you know. Uh Burns victim who has been exploded in her own home, who's had to yes. have her arm amputated and put back with some sort of farcical, silly claw grabber object. Yes. And, uh, but then Amber's also getting like threatening letters. Um, So she is very fearful of, you know, that there is more going on uh, in this, you know, pageant than than meets the eye and we even kind of have the documentary people talk to like random girls in the school and we have like these two kind of punk girls who are totally against the uh the pageant one of them is pregnant one of them is pregnant and like smoking a cigarette and just talking about yes you know once girls start getting bumped off and things start happening they're like oh yeah it's got to be becky she's crazy and these pageants you know are insane and you know the whole and then she kind of goes off on a rant like you about the corruption of of all of that so uh, i told you i'm with them i'm with them too not with the smoking whilst pregnant aspect of it that we shouldn't be doing you know let's not do that but the down with beauty pageants and i want to see at the end like near the end when it's about to be the pageant they're like oh are you gonna go to the pageant she's like no i'm due or something (laughs) (laughs) really nonchalantly yeah really just like i'm probably gonna have the kid yeah. Any any day now, really. Yeah, just like I'm due or some shit. Could be at so. any time. Look at my watch. Could be any time. Yeah. Who knows? Um, so Non-stop yeah, um Amber does start getting kind of scared that like something's gonna happen to her. Um, you know, her mom just got blown up and you know, then uh, you know, the guy that she really liked, Becky also liked that guy, but he likes Amber. And so he makes a plan to like, you know, he's like, I'm going hunting tonight, but can I call you when I get home? And she's like really excited because she likes him. And Becky's like pissed because he likes Amber. And then, you know, she's at where she gets called into work to work on somebody and put makeup on them. And when she takes the cover off, it is the guy that she had the crush on. So even uh, he gets killed. He gets shot right between the, the eye accidentally while hunting. Uh, and we so already he... know who is also involved in the Lutheran All Girls Gun Club or whatever it's exactly. called. Exactly. And we? Denise Richards. We all think it's Denise Richards. Yes, and she really does. She liked that guy and he liked somebody else. So definitely um, very suspicious. So Amber does kind of 
tell her mom that she wants to drop out and her mom's very upset with her and says, you know, you, you can't like, you know, be scared to compete because this is like what's going to help get you out of this town and not end up like me and those kinds of things. So I do appreciate that this movie is kind of follow your dream, though. Mm-hmm. It's very much like that. It's not like small towns. I mean, it's it's it has a lot to negatively say about small towns, doesn't it? And I suppose the follow your dream aspect comes from the idea of moving out of said small town. Um, so I, I, I appreciate that it is kind of follow your dream. And but it, it does have a few little kind of, you know, these people who you're with are don't have to be kind of biologically family. Like Alice and Janney, for example, in this movie is a really good example of this. She is obviously this absolute small town staple of a individual, of a character, yeah. of a kind of archetype, but she's incredibly positive as a character in this movie not as not as i'm talking about like the movie's perception of her not her as a person yeah she while she is kind of playing up to this caricature of like a a midwestern kind of small town person she's really smart and she you know is very honest and she's super supportive and loving to amber yeah, um, when so Amber does I mean, confess to her that she wants to quit, she like tries to scare her out of it because she like doesn't want her to quit. Yeah, so there's there's positivity in the sense that it's not all negative when it comes to small town middle America because there are some positive aspects of it. This is the movie saying this. Yeah. There are some positive aspects of it. But it is very much like, look, if you are aspiring ambitious young do you know follow this dream even if it takes doing up this horrible immoral pageant because i don't think the movie likes beauty pageants anywhere as much as you know i do yeah and that's why i think they're taking the digs at it um constantly yes so then uh after we kind of meet all the contestants and things are starting to happen we do meet the judges as well Oh, we um, haven't talked about the judges yet. <laughs> oh, and we didn't forget about the contestant who uh, was adopted like three years prior. So maybe like when she was 14 oh, yes. by uh asian like uh, i think japanese, japanese the japanese, japanese couple uh who are trying to acclimate themselves to um america to, to america yes. and <laughs> like when their actual japanese daughter is speaking japanese and they tell her she's an idiot and tell her to shut up <laughs> and to speak english like oh my god yeah there's a bit um, of that yeah you get so a bit were, of that they were like movie. Yeah, and they were kind of, you know, just uh, really, you know, wearing, like, Western-type clothes. and Yes, it's the kind of comedy. Trying to you... make, like, dad jokes. and <laughs> Yeah, you get in a certain era where, oh, where it's kind of, oh, look at these uh, immigrants from anywhere. Could be from anywhere. Yeah. Aren't they look how much they love America because they're wearing the flag on every piece of clothing and are 
insisting that they love nothing more than McDonald's fries or whatever it may be. Yeah. That kind of comedy that I, I don't tend to particularly And speaking for, English, speaking English speaking through English, a very thick accent. Yes, and, when they yeah. don't need to do the realistically. Yeah. It's that aspect I've never liked. No, but how they play with it in the fact that like when she gets up there and like when they're on stage and they're kind of like the first part of the show is like how they have to go around and say why they're proud to be an American because that's the theme. And she says, oh, and I'm proud to be an Asian American. (laughs) That's that's funny. Yeah. The... It's the idea of of that style of comedy that I've I've never I've never liked. yeah of I've, like an immigrant being comedy. obsessed uh, with America and kind of wanting to give up all of their their yeah. roots from where they're from. Um, I just think like if I moved to America, I you know I I would t- I would be a you know a, a foreign immigrant, wouldn't I? I yeah. might be English speaking. But I would still be that. But I wouldn't like stop speaking in this accent. Yeah, to acclimate yourself. Stop doing British things like or wear American flag T-shirts or wear American flag T-shirt. You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. And I don't think. I don't think. I don't think immigrants should do that. I suppose it's almost got to be like a little bit of both. Yeah, doesn't it? You've kind of got to, yes, okay, we're moving there. We should probably try to do some. But also, like, we're from Japan or, or Britain or India or whatever it may be. So we're going to also keep doing some of the Those stuff things, that we've done. Exactly. Because that uh, would just be silly not to. Yeah. So they're I've extremely, yeah, they're extremely kind of obsessed with America so much so that like three years prior, not even like when she was a baby or anything, like when she yeah. was like 14, they adopted her to help act because they themselves. wanted an American, they wanted a teen American girl. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's another contestant. But um, as we go through now, then we meet the judges. Uh, yes, let's 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 have a nice talk about the judges before we get into kind of the the finale aspect of this movie, Jenny. Because, um, well, my favourite judge, I, I must say, has to be Harold, <laughs> who's the hardware store guy. Yes, who keeps having arguments with his slightly slow brother, uh, and it, it, it's. The kind of people, Janine, you remember when we talked about the movie Nebraska? Yeah. On this show. It's that if the people in the movie Nebraska were monumentally silly. Yeah. It's those kind of people if they were just kind of circus clowns. Well, like, there, there are two brothers in Nebraska who are very kind of of that. Of that ilk, so I they, I do I was kind of thinking of them um, <laughs> oh, the, when you did the, bring up Bud from Home Alone, Buzz, right? Yeah, it's Buzz one of them is from Buzz. Home Alone. Yes, and and the other brother yes, who are that's what I know, was clearly thinking of. Them. Yes, yes. So I think that's where it was evoking those vibes for you. Um, but yeah, I liked so... him. <laughs> he was just weird, 
but he was kind of so wholesome and kind of really cute and like he was just kind of he didn't really care about the beauty pageant he just really cared about his hardware store yeah and so and then also he kind of has to babysit his brother <laughs> so his brother is just there with him like uh his pants are really open good, dude. uh his he, his pants are completely open <laughs> like, can, like and he's yeah, just there laughing trapped in the car his brother's pants get trapped in the car door and he can't move. <laughs> he can't move. And, and then later... He kind of leant forward out of the car and everybody's throwing stuff at him. And then at a certain point, you just see the overalls just got, uh, hanging there. So he's just running around with no pants on. <laughs> you just have to assume that. Um, he's got a nice moustache, Harold. I like Harold. I think he's a good-hearted guy. He doesn't he have a meet, uh, he doesn't meet the best end as we do kind of get these flashes of where everyone no. is at. And uh, like his story kind of like ends with any. he died of like a deer tick bite, and the store was left to his, you know, uh, slow brother who's now just like trashing the store and, you know, pushing a lawnmower around on the sidewalk, all covered in foil. Um, and he just has cut, is wearing, has wrapped foil all around himself, and it's just like. <laughs> Oh. Um, so like that's any kind good of... teen movie, Janine, it does end with those. Uh, what are we do? What are we all doing or now? What are we up to now? So as we, <laughs> uh, the, I think the pageant part was really great. We do get kind of rehearsals for the pageant. Um, when we do meet Amy Adams' character, she's kind of like just very sex crazed and sexually active with her boyfriend. Um, yes. To a certain point where they ask her like how are you doing and she's like oh my gosh I, you know it's been about two months and i haven't told him yet and they're like oh no we're just asking like how you're feeling before. she's like oh uh great so then we know that she's been knocked up by her boyfriend and she hasn't told him yet um uh so you know we do see like dance rehearsals and like all of kind of them getting ready even though you know strange things are happening there is a whole yeah. interview segment where um everyone's getting these easy questions like if you were a tree what kind of tree would you be but then when amber gets her question it's like spell every state in alphabetical order and you think she's going to struggle with the question but she ends up actually doing really well so there are a lot of moments where amber is being challenged kind of way more than everybody else because she's obviously the biggest competition so and there's something shady and going on he's manipulating the situation exactly um and even one of the judges works for becky's dad um kirstie alley's husband yes. and his furniture store um so that's kind of a manip manipulation there. And then we do get another judge who uh, is kind of trying to act like he's not very pervy and looking at the girls, but he obviously is like, they're doing their dance rehearsal and like, he's trying to explain why he has this video camera. <laughs> you have, a, you, you have a camera. Why can't I have a camera? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, I have it in the car. I keep it in the car. Just, you know, just to record like a car accident or something. Uh, <laughs> My favorite judge is Harold, the hardware store guy, because I just, I, I, I just, I'd like to ha go for a drink with that man. He seems very pleasant, but this guy is just hilarious. He's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Just making excuses and, for John, and his name is John Doe. <laughs> his name is literally John Doe. I think it's spelled like dough, like bread. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
but constantly, constantly, he's just saying, "No, no, I don't. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't go anywhere near. I don't go where young girls, young, like, young yeah. girls, or I should say, you know, young young women or people. Really, young people. I don't really go near people. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm kind of more <laughs> of a hermit. Really, I don't. But then every in, in the background of every scene, he's just there, kind of like what, staring <laughs> at somebody or with a camera or kind of chewing on his fingers like really intensely <laughs> yeah <laughs> or just doing something incredibly incredibly creepy it's blatantly obvious yeah where the man his head, should yeah. be yeah yeah so we do have a character like that as well um <laughs> which uh, is obviously you know a dark element but it is very very funny <laughs> Yes. So, I mean, after kind of the two big deaths at the beginning, we don't really get a lot more death. We just kind of get attempted situations. So, you know, sabotage yeah. for Amber with her questions and blowing up her trailer. And then there's another moment at a dress rehearsal where Amber ends up switching spots with the deaf girl because the deaf girl, I guess her... um her sister, her cousin, or somebody had a deaf baby. And so she wanted to get to the hospital to go see the deaf baby because obviously she's a, this huge advocate for uh, sign language and stuff. Yes. So she switches numbers with Amber so she can go first and get to the hospital to see her cousin or whatever. And so she goes and uh, as she's doing her dance and her interpretive sign language song, uh, a light fixture falls on her head oh, yeah. and knocks her out. And so who was supposed to go first? Amber was supposed to go yeah. first. So that light was probably meant for her head. Um, later, we do find out that the girl, she was really excited and happy. And they're like, what? Like the Phantom oh. of the Opera with this yeah. manipulation of killing <laughs> the, people, isn't it? The, but the blow to her head made her deaf. So she was super excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm deaf now. Yay. So yeah, so no. that, that girl ended up being really happy, but she was out of the contest. So now we get to the actual pageant. Um, so you kind of still have this hope that maybe Amber can win, but obviously there's a lot playing in Becky's favor. Um, yes. She's kind of the eliminated judges, the, the other competition. Really the judges it. are kind of, you know, rigged already and um but you know jo they're John do Doe doesn't care, does he though? He, he's he, he's there for the fun of himself. Yes. He keeps getting spoken to by the documentary crew. Yes. <laughs> I find it, I just, I find him hilarious because he is the, some would say the darkest element to the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> I just find him absolutely hilarious. He's just how he tries so to well. justify it and like make excuses for it. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I can't, why can't I have a camera? You have a camera to the documentary people. <laughs> like, it reminds um... <laughs> me. He just reminds me of one of my favorite episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which I think he's called something like Frank's Little Beauties, where Frank Reynolds, Danny DeVito, puts on a child's beauty pageant in order to earn money for the bar. But he dresses himself up in the creepiest costume. And throughout the kind of throughout the pageant, he's constantly just saying, "No, I, I'm not here to touch the children. That's not <laughs> what I'm here to do. I'm not diddling the children. It's not what I'm doing." And now you're just making it weird. He's making everybody <laughs> think that that's exactly what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> you just keep saying it's it's 
hilarious and he just reminded me so much of that so much of that constantly just saying no i'm not here for any sinister purposes all the while literally breathe mouth breathing and <laughs> fiddling with himself probably yeah so definitely a very creepy character that we get on the judges table um but we do kind of get into the pageant so the pageant i will stop talking with... <laughs> yes yes about John Doe. Um, so we do get into the pageant and it kind of opens with why you're proud to be American and each girl's like wearing like a hat that has some kind of uh, US monument on their hat. And <laughs> obviously sex crazy Amy Adams is like, I have the Washington monument and she like suggestively like strokes it. And <laughs> um, um, the girl with the dogs who doesn't really she's like um and uh this ball of yarn from wherever is why i'm proud to so she has like a ball of yarn in her head like so she her monument was like a ball of yarn attraction somewhere in the u.s and that was her why she's proud to be an american she's like i don't think i got the assignment as the ball of yarn like falls off her head um <laughs> Isn't Denise uh, Richards on on Mount Rushmore? Yes, because we all know. Obviously, Mount Rushmore shouldn't be Mount Rushmore, should it? It, it was. It's basically the fact that Mount Rushmore is Mount Rushmore is defiling Native American nature. Yes, nature and 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 a sacred site and all that business. Uh, didn't Denise Richards say, "I'm I've come as Mount Rushmore." Because the fact you could take a dirty, horrible mountain and put faces on it is why America <laughs> is great. Yeah, awesome yeah, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Um. Uh. So that's kind of the first part of the introduction, and then we have like the dance number, and <laughs> somebody painted, which I believe was Harold's brother, <laughs> painted. Because <laughs> they do use the R word in this movie quite a few oh, times. Oh, they do, yes. They do. Yes. Should be um, mentioned, yes. Yes. Um, She's not something we, we, sh we should be, uh, we should be no, saying. No, no. Um, so they say, like, what kind of person uh, paints chairs right before a performance? So, like, their stools that they're it using for this funny. routine was painted. So uh, they just, just have to go with paint. it. And they're just like, just try to do it and don't get it on your clothes. But the routine, like fully involves them interacting with these stools. So they're just trying to do the, the routine to this Gloria Stefan song. And the dance is actually a pretty solid dance, but it's ridiculous because they have paint all over their hands, paint all over their butts, paint all over their legs. And they're just trying to smile. I'm really surprised <laughs> that they all didn't come off for some stupid reason with just two handprints of paint right on each of their chests. Just for no reason, just because yes. that just seems like the funny thing to do. Yes, well, I think they already had the paint on their butt from sitting no, on the stool. Yeah, that's um, true. So at the end of the dance, they do the routine, and then by the end, they're like completely covered in paint and still smiling, and everyone is just like, what the hell just happened? Apart from John Doe. John Doe's really into it. Yeah. Um, so then by the end of the routine, now they're like over here trying to get the paint off of turpentine <laughs> before the next part of the pageant. Um, so then we get the talents and uh, the girl with the dog. She's she's imitating different dog barks. Um, we get the, the actor girl well. doing, doing, I think she does do her interpretive uh, Soylent Green monologue. Um, Amy this Adams, is, she's a cheerleader. Of a Jack Russell Terrier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Yes. Amy doing? Adams, I believe her boyfriend is wrestling and she's cheering them on. So she's doing a cheer. Um, <laughs> that's what, exactly she, what she's doing. Is. Yes. She's cheerleading as her talent. Um, oh. And uh, Amber is in trouble of not performing her talent because she goes to the rack for her costume and her tap costume is gone. Yeah. Um, the choreographer wants her to win, so she gives her this leotard and says, Hey, use this. But there's a rule that says your costume has to be pre-approved at least a week before. And this leotard is not pre-approved, so she can't perform. Um, so somebody again trying to sabotage her, right? Um, obviously Becky and her get into it because it feels like it's very obvious that Becky is sab- trying to sabotage her chances. Um, but then Brittany Murphy, the sweetest, sweetest person, you know, she was going to do uh, uh, like a dance, dance and sing like New York, New York, because she loves New York. Her brother is a drag queen there. She's very excited. And that's what she wants to do that. But that so her her costume is very much lends itself well to being a tap costume. So she ends up dropping out of the competition and giving Amber her costume as her costume has been approved. So a very sweet moment giving Amber her costume. So Amber can continue on in the contest. She's like, I'm not going to win, but you actually have a shot Amber. So here you go. Yeah. Um, So after a bunch of ridiculous talents, including Becky's where she is pretty much um, William Shatner talk singing, Or Rex Harrison. Rex Harrison talk singing. <laughs> it was like rep, Rex Harrison level talk singing. You're just too good to be true. Um, can't like take my that. eyes off of you. Singing it to a dummy of Jesus Christ on a cross. And dancing that around. Dancing with, <laughs> dancing with it. Jesus on the cross. Yes. So it's very. There's nothing more. I don't think there's <laughs> anything more small town America than dancing and being seeming romantically involved with a crucified jesus yes and like so the fact that like she couldn't do the accent but then also she can't sing so they just go with the concept of her talk singing which just makes it even more ridiculous um that they kind of had to try to find a talent for her like it worked somehow um So then she gets off the stage and now it's Amber's turn. She's got the costume she can now perform. And she does this really amazing tap routine. Uh, and everyone's standing ovation, a big burst of applause from everyone. So you think, you know, Amber's got a shot. Everyone loved her tap performance. And, you know, second runner up is Amy Adams. Uh, first runner-up ends up being Amber, and then Becky ends up winning the whole pageant. Because corruption, like, corruption. Yes, because the corruption, corruption, right? Um, and at the end, like Amy Adams is like, I got second place. And her boyfriend's like, no, you got third place. You're second runner-up. <laughs> um, so then we get to kind of the floats in the parade of like the winner and um, like her I, dad. I Admittedly, I was expecting the movie to kind of end. Yeah, so you think that a movie the ends there, but it kind of keeps going right there. So there's, there's um, a good ten minutes extra of the movie. Yes, go ahead. Yes. I, I do <laughs> to, to close out the movie. Um, so there's this big swan float that Amber or that uh, Becky gets to ride on that her dad had a bunch of Mexicans make. He says, um, and there are. Uh, 
sparklers around the perimeter of this big float. And, you know, Becky's complaining. She doesn't want to get up there. It smells like gas. Like, it's smelly. She doesn't want to get up there. Um, But her mom forces her to get up there. So um, the second runner-up and first runner-up, Amber and Amy Adams, are following behind in a car. And as she gets on her float and her mom lights the sparklers around the perimeter of the float, the whole float goes up in flames. Big boom. Becky has blown up. Oh, Kirstie Alley's in Kirstie Alley is upset and she can't take it. And so she admits that um, it was supposed to be her. She wanted her to die and she tried to kill her several times. And (laughs) uh, she reveals herself to be the killer. The one who was kind of trying to take everything down and everyone down so that Becky could win. And she kind of, we all knew it was. Yeah, uh, so she has this insane Denise Richard. Yes, so she does have a, an insane outburst and ends up getting arrested. Uh, so now Amber bit. Amber becomes it the winner. Feels a little bit like Rose McGowan in Jawbreaker at the end of Jawbreaker, which isn't uh, an admittance, is it? It's just it's a forced. Oh, I'm in this situation now, and we're going to play the tape recorder. But everybody knows it's a public acknowledgement. Now everybody now. knows. Yes, of something they were um, kind of suspecting the whole time. It um, felt similar to that. It felt similar to that, which is. But yeah, Kirstie Alley was just a little bit. So in her grief, she kind of blows up and admits that she was the one who did all of the killing and all of the. I do think she was very good in this movie, though. Yes. As a, as a really cold person who's very, very selfish. Yeah, and then, like if also, that's her priority, that's kind of her focus is this dumb pageant because that's all yeah. she really has. Also, like um, fake and classy. Like, yeah, really, she was really good at that. She was really yeah, good. She, she did an awesome job in this movie. Um, so now that Becky is gone, first runner up takes the place, which is Amber. So Amber gets to go on to Yay. the next phase of the competition. Um, and when she's there, she kind of feels like you know small fish in this big pond these you know there's another tap girl who's doing this elaborate tap routine these girls singing opera she's definitely on another level so she does kind of feel out of her realm yeah this this is at the rehearsal for the next phase of the competition this is Um, statewide now isn't it yeah so statewide or nationwide i want to say nation because then i think the third phase might be statewide um oh no because it'd be the other way Yes. You go to the state and then nation. And then nation. Okay. So. Right. Apologies. <laughs> yeah. See, obviously, I have no idea how pageants work. But, um. <laughs> no. Yes. So oh. <laughs> she goes to the next phase of the pageant and uh, really feels kind of out of her realm with uh, these girls who are doing a lot more. And then there's like, you know, for lunch, they break for lunch and it's a big, like, seafood lunch. And. Amber doesn't eat any of the seafood, but everyone else does. And then everyone just starts throwing up and <laughs> puking everywhere. And what other movie is it where like the fish is poisoned? What am I thinking about? I think what it's just bad of? seafood. It was pro- it was improperly refrigerated seafood. Um, no, I, I I know, but it, I'm just thinking of another movie where it's. A very, very similar situation where there's one person that happens to... It's airplane. 
airplane on uh, the plane. Yes. The fish is poisoned. Yes. And the only person who doesn't eat the fish is what's his face? I've forgotten his name now. The lead in airplane. Anyway, that's what I was thinking. Sorry. Yes, yes. So definitely. I'm, I'm as I'm as rapid paced in this episode <laughs> as, as as drop dead gorgeous. Probably. Yes. Um so yeah, everyone ends up getting sick. And so Amber advances again because everyone has to drop out because they're all puking their guts out. Um yeah. so then she's kind of on the news. Uh, and Alice and Janie does end up going with her to support her because the mom is still in the hospital with her, you know, has to get her arm surgery. And uh, yeah, so she ends up making it to the next phase of the the final phase of the competition because everyone else is eliminated only to discover that um, the uh, the cosmetic company that actually runs the pageant has gone bankrupt. And so there is no pageant. And how the hell? Do they not know that the sponsors and the name of the pageant, the cosmetics company, no longer is in business while the competition is going on? Where is the representative? Exactly, from that exactly. Company? So they show up there, and like the whole place has signs for rent, for lease, bankrupt, all of this stuff. So the whole. I wouldn't mind if there wasn't a representative from the cosmetics company at the original town pageant, or even the one for Minnesota. But the, but like, oh no, certainly actually. The states won because all the girls from all, every state show we up. were there, and the things derelict. And I think the two ladies who were kind of running that whole practice session were from the cosmetics company. I think clueless. <laughs> so Don't no edit. idea that the whole. So yeah, they show up in the whole contest is no done and it, it has been canceled, canceled permanently because yeah the whole company went bankrupt which i did forget also to mention like there was another really fun cut of um uh i think it was maybe when Brittany murphy's uh character was talking about how she wants to be an actress or something and you know this pageant can help lead to that one of the characters is talking about i think it was oh maybe the girl who was doing the monologues she says you know i want to be an actress and this could pageant can help me lead to that and then it cuts to a former pageant queen in this from the pageant and from the town and she's in a like a local commercial for <laughs> like <Yes. laughs> she's in this commercial for these pork products and she's it's like i love idea. these pork products and you know i love the factory so much i work here now <laughs> she does actually talk like that as well i was the and i want to say she was miss america <laughs> teen dream 1972 and i <laughs> i love smith's pork sausages or whatever nonsense it is it's Stupid. And she's like, I love the company so much. I work here now. And she's like in a white jumpsuit. <laughs> and these pigs were slaughtered right outside my house or something. <laughs> it's like a ridiculous commercial. I want to say she's the woman who plays um um William H. Macy's wife in Fargo, the one he's trying to kill. Oh, okay. Or the one who gets kidnapped. Um yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
so yeah i forgot to mention that that was a really funny cut that the girl's talking about she wants to be an actress and then it cuts to this commercial of a pageant girl being an actress in like a shitty local commercial and that she actually works at the factory now because that's how her life turned out <laughs> i wanted to mention that um so yes amber you know the whole competition now is shut down so she ends up going back home place. yes and this is where kind of where we get our montages um of what's going on uh so uh becky's mom has now escaped from prison we kind of see flashes of news articles of her escaping and she's like on the roof of like the general store like shooting people looking for amber to shoot her and kill her seems a little bit intense yes so there's like a big standoff she's already shot a couple people a news reporter is reporting it she gets shot by a stray bullet and amber steps up and starts continuing the news report and she has such poise under pressure that then they do end up giving her an anchor job and she ends up becoming a news anchor by the end of it. Uh, we see that like um, Diane Sawyer. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think we Bozo. only Yeah. Yes. So, so we do sense. see <laughs> we do see, I think, um uh Becky's mom, she ends up going to prison um and be winning a, a, a and entering a prison pageant and getting like third place or something how is um, the prison pageants i don't Why know is the pageant world also transferred to prisons in this satirical joke of a movie yes yeah, that, that, that's a thing that happens uh amy adams she ends up going to beauty school but then she ends up like becoming a stripper and going to like the philippines and or something and like no yeah. one ever hears from her again <laughs> i think that's kind of how her story ends um and amber ends up becoming a news anchor uh yeah. so yeah and that's kind of where we see her and that's where the movie ends so <laughs> it is a crazy crazy movie yeah it, it is monumentally fast there's so so many little gangs in it yeah i had an absolute blast with drop dead gorgeous it it might be my favorite movie of the ones we've actually covered so far. really it might be okay. it was certainly the funniest yes Certainly the funniest, and ultimately, even if it's a dark teen comedy, what I'm looking for is still a teen comedy. Yes. Just one with dark humour in it, and I think this just had the most dark humour in it, as opposed to outright murder, and kind of just weird. I mean, very, very clever, obviously, in, in you know, Heathers and Jawbreaker. Clever commentary, sure. I think Jawbreaker was pretty funny as well. Yeah. Um, I'd arguably say the least funny of them so far has been Heathers, and Heathers might actually be the best of the movies. Yeah, definitely. I think it 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 encompasses, I think, the theme of what this series is the most, I'd say. Yeah. I don't know. It's a good mix. It's, we've yes. had a very good mix. But I would watch this movie time and time again. <laughs> it was hilarious to me. Yes. <laughs> it was just absolutely hilarious. In near enough every way yes. I, 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 big fun big always fan have fun with this one yay well, i'm glad you liked it awesome another success I do. <laughs> yes do we have anything more to say about the movie i think we covered it all <laughs> well then what is coming up next week to round out the series finishing off <laughs> dark teen comedies janine 
Well, I couldn't decide between a movie I wanted and a movie I thought you would really like and be kind of more your aesthetic in the genre. So I did at the beginning of the series do a poll uh, between Thoroughbreds and Teaching Mrs. Tingle, because that is definitely a movie of my generation. I mean, it has somebody from Dawson's Creek and someone from Seventh Heaven in it. So it was like And perfect. Thoroughbreds <laughs> has Anya Taylor-Joy and Olivia Cook in it. And Anton Yelchin, yeah. And so, Anton Yelchin. So, and yeah. Obviously, um, all Janine needs to know if Morgan will like a movie <laughs> is, is Anya Taylor-Joy in the movie? Yes. Yes. And therefore, um, yes. So, uh, probably the most mo- the more most modern movie that w- is on this list, yeah. and uh, yeah. So I couldn't decide, so I let the people decide, and they all went with thoroughbreds. So we are talking thoroughbreds next week. So. There you go. There you go. That is what we have coming up on Morgan hasn't seen before. We get into a brand new series the week after that it's always very exciting but yes yeah, seriously like this movie was nonsense there's a reason we've talked about it for a little bit longer than usual because it's just ram-packed with craziness yes absolute craziness <laughs> sure. all around drop dead gorgeous it was great anyway Morgan Hasn't Seen Janine is not the only show we have on the It's a Wonderful podcast feed because we also have Machine Mondays with yourself, don't we? Yes, talking all things Schmodown. Uh, And I'm trying to get guests here and there, so definitely makes for some fun episodes. And yeah, just fun match breakdowns from my perspective. So yeah, check out Machine Mondays every Monday. And of course, we also have the main show every Friday. It's a wonderful podcast where we give love to those classic films. Uh, I switch off hosting duties every other week with our other great co-host, Nolan Dean. Morgan is the constant host over there. So I'm sure you guys will be talking something really great this Friday. Certainly, certainly. You'll have to wait and see. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we have you covered here on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, CastBox, everywhere else podcasts are found i've already done the plugs of the patreon earlier but we also have the it's a wonderful podcast youtube channel that you can go and subscribe to there for the fun stuff we uh, have put and are trying to put more good stuff over on the youtube as well we really do want to build that up alongside the podcast feed with different things variety of content isn't it nice janine this is good variety is good except when it's in the royal variety performance which tends to not be very good you won't know (laughs) remotely what the royal variety performance is but that's a joke for people who do are in the basically it's a series of random talents on show from professionals and there's a member of the royal family there and it's done every year but nobody ever really knows when oh. and it's just gotten slightly naffer as the years have gone on if you know what na- you know naff less quality as the okay. years got, have gone on yeah <laughs> well, we, now... we hopefully won't uh, decrease our quality as time goes on Certainly not. Certainly not. That's why I said we were the opposite of the royal variety okay. performance in our variety of things that we're doing. Yes. Um, you can at find random. the show on Twitter <laughs> and random. You find the show on Twitter at It's a Wonderful One. Find me on Twitter at The Purple Dawn with the three instead of the E in the because Janine. 
Three is the magic number. On Instagram at just the purple down. All your good stuff is at where? You can find me at Janine Devine underscore on Twitter, Janine Devine on Instagram. And if you want to get any merch for any of our shows or check out any of my artwork, you can find all of that at my tea public shop at G9 Design. Well, there we go. All the weirdness of Drop Dead Gorgeous has been and gone. It has been discussed. It has been celebrated, to be honest with you, because I think if you haven't watched it, you should just go and watch it. Because thank you for thank you for making me watch this movie, Janine. You're welcome. As that is the premise of this show. Yes. That's exactly what we do. I do think there's only one thing left to do. I don't know really what I should be asking you to do it in this week i'm i'm a little bit confused janine not confused i'm a little bit perplexed that's the same word but a different word i don't know what i'm saying anymore i'm just there's there doesn't seem to be an obvious voice for me to ask you to uh to see i, mean, I guess i can do a maybe it's minnesota i mean accent. yeah <laughs> Yeah, that, that would definitely be, but I'm not sure that's obvious enough. No. Obviously do it in the Minnesota voice, you didn't go on. <laughs> Three, two, one. Bye. Bye.